rumor, a currently circulating story or report of uncertain or questionable truth. This is Rumors of Grace, where I talk to people rumored to have found beauty and truth in broken and uncommon places. Welcome to another episode of Rumors of Grace. This is Bob Hutchins. And today, sitting across the table from me, is one of my favorite people in the whole wide world, my good friend, uh, brother, friend, a brother from another mother, Mike Naraki. Welcome, Mike. <laughs> hey, Bob. Thanks Thanks for uh, having me on your podcast. This is awesome. And, and I want a whole two sentences, as you noticed, without mentioning your your alter ego. Yeah, I was about ready to do the voice. I didn't know if you were going to lead with that or not. <laughs> we'll have time for that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so Mike Naraki is the co-founder of VeggieTales. If you don't know what VeggieTales is, if you're one of the rare persons in the universe, uh, it was, well, why don't you explain what VeggieTales is? Sure, sure. Well, VeggieTales is a computer animated show featuring uh, singing talking vegetables uh, who tell Bible stories, among other types of stories. Right. Um, but but really, um, uh, uh, at the heart of it, our tool to help parents pass on biblical values to their kids. And so, um, you know, 25 years ago, uh, in Christmas of 1993, we came out with our first show, Where's God and I'm Scared, and I've uh, been a cucumber ever since. So is it exactly 25 years ago? Yeah. So, well, you know, it just passed 25 years. So, uh, you know, it's we're sneaking into 2019. So, uh, uh, Christmas of, of uh, 2018 uh, was our 25th anniversary. And not to toot your own horn, but like, what are the milestones? How many videos sold? How many views? Do you know any of that stuff? You know, I I heard a number of 70 million uh, mm. videos, uh, mm. which is a, a included... Um, uh, VHS and DVD combined because we were back in the VHS <laughs> era, <laughs> back when people bought VHS and back when people bought DVDs, which no longer really happens. That's amazing. Much. That's a lot of videos. And yeah. that has nothing to do with uh, views or streams or anything like that. Right? Yeah, no, that's just physical sales. And so, um, you know, I think over the years we did around 50 releases, uh, which were mostly, you know, original shows, but we did some. Um, you know, kind of silly sing-alongs, which were a combination of, you know, you know, mm-hmm. songs from, from our shows, we'd, we'd put them together and, you know, some kind of highlight reels, but mm-hmm. most of those were original shows. And we started off, um, uh, our show started off at half hour. Um, and then, uh, right around, I think around two, uh, 99, 2000, uh, we, we, uh, they jumped up to about 50 minute run length. Um, so, okay. so a lot, a lot of content over the years. So 25 years and what's, What's uh, I think amazing about that number is you're, you're now into two generations of people who have uh, enjoyed uh, VeggieTales. So for me, um, you know, I remember as a young parent <laughs> 25 <laughs> years ago. Wow, it's hard yeah. to say that. Uh, yeah. uh, that that my kids and our first, my oldest uh, would enjoy VeggieTales, and I we had VHS tapes and. Uh, and then DVDs for our other kids. Uh, but now um, my kids don't have children, but I do have peers that their kids have children. And now um, those 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 children are, are enjoying Veggie Tales. So it's kind of a, is it what when you think about that, um, like what does that mean to you? Well, you know, it, it's humbling. You know, really, first off, I mean, not having any idea that this was how God was going to use me mm. in, in my life and my ministry. Um, 
you know, so I, in, in some ways it's, it's, it's unbelievable to me. I remember growing up and, um, you know, just, I remember Sesame street was big for me and obviously that's mm. still going and how, how, you know, the things I learned there and the, the identifying with the characters and on that show, um, and just how impactful that was for me. You know, I grew up, you know, a, a huge Muppets fan and that l- led into me doing puppets and then, you know, and, and then eventually into animation. So, uh, just realizing how powerful story and character uh, is in the life of kids and to know that, yeah, we've been able to uh, come alongside kids and families o- over all these years to, to just really lift up biblical values. Uh, it's, it's, just, it's just a humbling thought for me. That's great. And I bet you never thought it would still be going because it, it actually is, right? Still going? It is. So, you know, I'm no longer uh, a full-time employee of, mm-hmm. of Big Idea. So that's it's been a few years for me. Uh, but the property, the intellectual property is owned by Universal Studios. We were, you know, we've had a number and maybe we can get through, you know, yeah, we'll kind of go that. through some of that number, number of changeovers uh, over the years. But uh, currently it's owned by Universal Pictures and okay. um, it's being licensed uh, by uh, TV for mm-hmm. new production. So, okay. um, so, so you're, so you're back in the saddle again. Somewhat. Yeah. So not, I'm not involved directly in production, but in voices and writing. So Phil, sure. Phil uh, Fisher, uh, Bob, the tomato and I are both doing writing <laughs> uh, some writing and, and voices for the new series. That's great. That's great. Well, well, let's, let's start from the beginning. So I know a little bit about your story, having known you for uh, several years. Um, but, but for those listeners, and they know you uh, a little bit about what they have read, obviously, through the voices. And, um, you know, there's obviously uh, lots of years that brought you to that point. So let's go from the beginning. Where were you born? What was your family life like? Sure, sure. So uh, I was born into a military family. Uh, mm-hmm. My dad uh, um, uh, was career Air Force uh, officer. So he... Uh, he was stationed at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Um, he had gone to his undergraduate. Um, he grew up in Philadelphia, a son of Polish immigrants. So, um, who Hence Naraki. Naraki. Mm-hmm. Navrotsky. That's <laughs> how you'd say it before the Ellis Island translation. <laughs> uh, but um, so he grew up in Philadelphia, uh, went to Villanova, uh, a Polish Catholic family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after he, uh, was, he was a, uh, engineering, uh, major there and then enlisted, uh, in the officer corps in the, in the, uh, air force and was stationed at Wright Patterson air force base, uh, where he met my mom who grew up in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, she had and Wright Patterson is in where it's in Dayton in Dayton. In Dayton. Yeah. yeah. In Dayton. And, uh, so, and it's where the air force museum is, if anybody's ever interested okay. in that, which I, you know, I, I just went there for the first time a few years ago and it was amazing. Yeah, I bet. So it was um Airplanes and such and oh everything yeah kind of the history of of aviation um you know especially as it applies to the military you know they've got um you know some of the more poignant uh displays over there have to do with you know the the hydrogen or the um, atom bombs wow uh, there they have uh, uh you know um kind of replications there as well so it's, it's really amazing so anyways a little tangent there <laughs> <laughs> so but born in Dayton Ohio and uh you know and, and there's a lot of military kids could attest just did a lot of moving around so mm. we went from uh Dayton I was only I only lived there less than a year mm. um and then uh my I have an older brother Bob uh who's a few years older than me my mom um uh, it was her second marriage. So, uh, to my dad, so my older brother is, is my half brother. Uh, so, uh, so our little family of four then moved to Tokyo, 
uh, where we lived for a few years. Um, and How, I have, what is that experience like? So I had a, I have like a, a half dozen memories of Tokyo. How old were you? Uh, the, from I, I, I left when I was four. Hmm. So, um, so a little less than a year old to, uh, I actually, we actually left on my birthday. So I, I, I had a, uh, because we were traveling, uh, East, uh, across the international dateline, you know, I always said I have a, I had a 36 hour birthday one year, (laughs) (laughs) which all four year olds love that. Oh, they all love that. That's a great story, man. Uh, so, um, so, but I have a handful of memories. Uh, you know, my mom, uh, was, is, was a a operating room nurse, a critical care Mm -hmm. nurse as well. My dad, uh, obviously was in the air force. Um, what did your dad do in the air force? He was, um, in aerospace management. He wanted to go into, uh, he wanted to be a pilot. Uh, and when, when he originally went to, uh, um, officer's training school, uh, they found, um, like a, you know, what they thought was some sort of a heart anomaly, you know, mm-hmm. and they went, they, they right. said, no, you can't be a pilot with that. And so he ended up, um, rediverting and, uh, got his master's in aerospace management. And so he ended up working on the shuttle program, um, mm-hmm. you know, for his whole career. And you know, when I got older, that was such a cool thing for me. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, my dad's in the space program. It's super <laughs> cool. Uh, so, but that kind of ended up more on the, um, uh, you know, after, after like, I don't know, probably mid eighties transit that transitioned over into more kind of the intelligence and, you know, satellite stuff. And then, you know, um, so, uh, yeah, so that's, that's where, you know, he started, uh, kind of on that career path early in his career when we were in Japan, uh, late, later, you know, we moved to Los Angeles and that's when he fully got into that. And how long um, did you live in Los Angeles? We were in Los Angeles for four years. So we lived in Garden Grove, mm-hmm. um, in the, in the shadow of, uh, the castle of Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so I remember, you know, from when I was four to when I was eight going, going, going to Disneyland, uh, for, for, uh, a number, number, number of times. Um, so, and then, oh, I was going to, I was going to say, so my, both of my parents worked when I was in Japan. And so I had one of my memories, a few memories, we had a, a Japanese. Japanese nanny, Mia-san. Mm. And I spent most of my days with her. And so she taught me Japanese. And so uh, by the time I left Japan, I was a bilingual four-year-old in Japanese and English. You know, that's interesting yeah. because uh, I was born in Panama. My yeah, dad worked for yeah, the government. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't have, I was only there till I was about five or six. And yeah. I don't have a ton of memories. But one of the, it's interesting you say that because the one memory I do have is we had a Spanish nanny. Yeah. And, uh, her name was Bernina uh-huh. and she, my first words were in Spanish. Oh, yeah. wow. That's so, so cool. I was bilingual yeah. when I was little, I kind of yeah. lost it, but. Oh, and I absolutely did too. The only, yeah. the only Japanese I remember is from Shogun in the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so I thought you were going to yeah. say like SNL or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So, um. Yeah. So, so that was cool. And, you know, and I remember being in the snow there was one of my memories. And, you know, so I remember, you know, sleeping in a, on a futon in a glass, uh, house. Sometimes she would take me back to her house and, mm. and, uh, in the paper, you know, kind of the wall, uh, the paper wall room. So it was really, you know, so it was, so what, what was, cool. was your, what was your, your family life like? Was it a group? You have nothing but fond memories. Was it? I mean, what what was it? Well, like so, growing up in the Naraki home. So you know, it was interesting um, because uh, you know when I can start remembering my family life. My dad, my dad was very committed to his career, um, and my mom was working too. So she was, uh, you know, when we moved to L.A. or you know to uh, to Garden Grove. Um, she had my brother. So Steve, my young, one of my younger brothers was born in Japan. And then my other, other younger brother, Mark, then was born in Los Angeles. And then my mom took a break. She had, you know, so many kids, you know, that, that mm-hmm. working wasn't an option sure. anymore. Uh, you working out of the home. And so, um, 
So, you know, I, I remember my mom just being very uh, loving and caring and nurturing, you know, as mm-hmm. a nurse. Uh, and so, so I remember feeling very loved as a child. Uh, and my dad, um, you know, just was very career driven, you know, as part of, I think part of that generation as well. So didn't see a lot of my dad was not very mm. close to my dad growing up. Mm. Um, he was in the military, so it was very, you know, kind of stringent, you know, sort of, uh, upbringing. So when dad, when dad was around, you know, we took, took that very seriously. And in many ways it was so funny because, you know, if you've ever seen, I dream of Jeannie, mm-hmm. um, you know, my, my, uh, my parents kind of looked like, you know, Barbara Eden and, uh, <laughs> and, the, and Larry Hagman and then Larry Hagman. Yeah. It was so funny. You see pictures like, Hey, that's mom and dad. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, and he'd come home in his, so I was used to seeing him come home in his officer's, you know, suit and, and all that. So, um, so that's kind of, you know, but, but my parents, you know, uh, they never fought and never, I never remember them having an argument, um, you know, and, uh, which I think would come back later to, to bite them because they, they didn't necessarily communicate all that well. Mm. And so, uh, you know, so lived from when I was four to when I was eight in, um, in, you know, in Garden Grove. And then my dad was transferred to Colorado. And so we went out to the eastern um, uh, plains of Denver, a mm-hmm. little town called, called Aurora. Yep. And, and out there, there's a, a Buckley Air National Guard base. And they mm-hmm. look like big golf balls on the horizon <laughs> out there. So we lived, we lived, went from the shadow of uh, the Disneyland castle to the mm-hmm. shadow of the, you know, uh, golf balls of the eastern plains of Colorado. Uh, and, uh, and that's, you know, I went to, um, uh, I remember again, you know, Catholic, Catholic, uh, uh, Polish Catholic family at that time. My mom wasn't Polish, but she had also grown up in the, the Catholic church as well. And so I went to a, um, a Catholic school out there in mm-hmm. Colorado, St. Pius the 10th. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I remember sister McDougal who would pull me around by my ear. <laughs> so, um, and, uh, and, you know, my dad at that point, he, you know, he then, you know, was starting to kind of advance in his career and, uh, and, and, you know, in the, in the space, uh, thing that he was working in and he got transferred to the Pentagon. Mm. Uh, and so it was a great opportunity for him. Uh, but I remember at the time the economy wasn't all that great. And so we had a hard time sell or he had a hard time selling the house. And mm. so he went off to DC to live with his commanding officer and my, you know, the rest of us stayed at home, my mom and, and my, my three brothers and I, and, uh, finally sold the house and, uh, re- joined him in, in the Northern Virginia, Virginia area, which we uh, went to live and we had a brand new dad. It was, it was, we, we left and our dad was one way, how we always known, uh, had always known him. And when we saw him again, he, he was a, you know, a, a brand new person. And it turned out that he had moved in with his commanding officer who was a believer. He was a Christian. And, uh, my dad, um, you know, though we had grown up in the Catholic church, it was for us, it was more just, you know, kind of cultural and, and, you know, we just sort of went through the motions, but my dad found Jesus through Hmm. his, through his friendship with, uh, his commanding officer. And so, um, you know, he really, he fell in love with the Lord and gave his heart to him. And, and, you know, it was, it was really a a new person. It was a very drastic Hmm. change in my Hmm. dad. And, um, uh, you know, through that experience, um, you know, we got plugged into, um, 
uh, another church uh, near where we were living. It was a Christian and Missionary Alliance church, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we we began going there. And then over the course of uh, really the next year, all of us came came to Christ. You know, for mm-hmm. me, my experience was um, you know just getting involved in the church and the youth group. Uh, it was a small church, but the youth group was really dynamic, and so mm-hmm. I just really felt like I was a part of that. And uh, really welcomed, and and I was watching a, uh, a Billy Graham crusade on television uh, one night, actually with my dad. Mm. Uh, and Dr. Graham was, you know, preaching out of Revelation. You know, mm-hmm. I, behold, I stand at the door and yeah, knock. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I accepted Christ, mm. you know, right there. And uh, and so yeah, so our, our whole family, um, you know, just uh, you know, gave our lives to Christ uh, within the course of a year, a year and a half. Uh, and so this was the Northern Virginia area. We were living in in Burke. Um, I was in, this was later grade school, early middle school. And, um, uh, my dad, uh, though it was, you know, it was a great time, you know, personally, professionally, he did not enjoy being at the Pentagon at all. It was mm-hmm. just very, very political for him. And he, he, he basically couldn't wait to get out and he had loved, uh, Colorado. And so, uh, as soon as his, uh, tour was over there, he requested to go back to Colorado. So we did that. We mm-hmm. packed, packed back up, went back to Colorado. And this was when I was in uh, going into eighth grade. Um, my brother Bob, uh, my older brother Bob, uh, was a senior in high school, so he remained to finish out his senior year with friends there. And then he he, he went to college his first or first two years of college in the in DC area as well. Uh, but me and my other two brothers moved back, and you know did. Uh, you know, middle school and in high school, mm-hmm. and again started really getting involved in our church youth group, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so and that's when I really started to find my passion for uh, for drama and singing. Um, mm. You know, my 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 parents, my dad was not artistic or musical at all, but my mom was a painter, and mm. you know, um, you know, she was a musician. My older brother Bob was a fantastic guitar player, still is, um, and so I had sort of that influence. Um, and so I really loved, uh, you know, whenever there was a chance to be in a play, especially at church, we had a, you know, we, we did plays. We had, you know, sure. you know I, I love that. I got involved in the children's ministry doing puppeting and, and uh, you know, sang in the choir, all that kind of stuff. I just really, really enjoyed all that. Um, but really, I, I never saw it. It was never a model for me that that could mm. be a, a ministry or a career. It was just kind of a fun hobby. Um, and so... You know, this was, you know, growing up through through high school. And I remember going to a youth uh, convention um, during my sophomore or junior year. It was, you know, a, a CMA convention, Christian Missionary Alliance convention. And I stepped forward and dedicated my um, my vocation to ministry. Mm. Um, and so I just felt God was calling me to do that. And uh, and I just kind of you know, I didn't know exactly what that would look like. Um, but the model for me was, you know, I had a dad who was an engineer. I had a mom who was a nurse. My older brother was a chemistry major. Um, and so all of that was kind of pointing me toward, okay, everything that was modeled for me and kind of what I saw in our, our, our church being mission, very missions minded. I sort of put all that together and figured, well, God wants me to be a missionary doctor. And so that's, plus you're in Northern Virginia, right? So so there was a lot of like government families and, and military families and everything was very, um, you know, yeah, transient. Yeah. 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 But not a ton of creative experience. Oh there. yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I didn't grow up that way. You know, I, you know, did live in, in Southern California for a while when I was very little, but, um, 
you know, but, you know, now living in Nashville, it's like, you know, kids grow up and they see, oh, you know, so-and-so's dad's a musician. Yeah. And so, you know, it just, you know, that was not. It's interesting it, how the cultures of location. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, really. so it's probably, and, and not to judge it, but it's probably very cerebral, right? In it, in we, kind of the setting, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, um, so that's, that's kind of where I felt like, okay, that, that's what I'll do. And so, so I made my plans. And so, um, so my thought was, you know, the, the CMA had a number, uh, like a handful of Bible colleges all over the country. Mm-hmm. And the, the closest to us was, uh, one in the Minneapolis St. Paul area now mm-hmm. called crown college at the time it was called St. Paul Bible college. And so, uh, so my plan was then to go to crown for a couple of years, maybe one, one or two years, get some basic, uh, classes out of the way. They didn't offer a pre-med program. So I was going to go there, get some uh, general ed, um, Bible, and maybe some Bible classes, and then transfer to a, another mm-hmm. school. And so I did. And so I went there in 1984 is when I graduated from high school and went up to Crown. And uh, and your parents at that time, they were uh, supportive? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So my parents were very supportive, um, kind of. But however, going on in the background, what ended up happening uh, with my folks is that my dad... Um, uh, his workaholic tendencies, mm. uh, at, 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 at work, you know, he, then he became a believer and his, his workaholic tendencies then kind of shifted gears into churchaholic tendencies. Mm. And so he, uh, just became, you know, really to, to really get involved in, in the church, uh, which, you know, in a lot of ways was a, you know, a great thing, but, um, you know, I just think uh, re- relationally in, in context with, you know, uh, with, with my mom, you know, their relationship just started to kind of, was she is involved in the church as he was? No, she was, but not as, not yeah. as involved. And so, you know, for her, so know, was family, it like a legalistic thing or was it just more of a, like engage, just spending yeah, time there? Yeah, no, I think, I think there was, there was a fair amount of legalism involved there, you know, um, and, and particularly because of the background, you know, both the military and Roman Catholic background, there was a lot of that sort of performance based, mm-hmm. you know, sort of thing there. Um, and so, uh, you know, so I think, you know, that began to, uh, you know, and just, just sort of the lack of communication in general, draw kind of a wedge, you know, mm. between my folks. And so, um, so they started to grow, grow apart, although we didn't know it. I mean, they didn't fight. Uh, and so, um, you know, when I went off to college, you know, they were, you know, still, still married and my two younger brothers are still living back at home. Uh, but, um, so, so I went to, you know, return to that, that story in a minute, but so I went off to college and our, we had a student ministry requirement for that college. And so I had been involved in puppeting before in high school growing up. And so I thought, Hey, you know, there's this, you know, puppet team, I'll, I'll go out for that. And you know, surprisingly, I, I made the cut on the puppet team <laughs> and, and that's where I met stiff competition. Yeah. Still <laughs> stiff. And it actually turned out really was cause that's uh, sure. you know, Phil, Phil Vischer was, uh, was also trying out for the puppet team, you know, and yeah. Phil, you know, later to be known as this Bob, is like Bob Sesame Tomato. street level stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we were, you know, we had both had, had formal training and the, the, the guy, uh, the kind of the adjunct who was, you know, running it, um, you know, was, was really good at it. And so, you know, we had like, you know, we would do these drills and, you know, you know, puppeting drills and, you know, our arms would be burning and, you know, and it's like, you know, so we, we learned how to do it, right. Get those arms in shape. Boys. <laughs> Get those arms in shape. And so, but, but Phil and I just found that we really had a great creative chemistry. Mm. So we just did a lot of, you know, uh, you know, ad-libbing impromptu acting with these puppets. We would, we would take, 
these puppets to basketball games and sit underneath the bleachers and, you know, sort of cheer, cheer, Mm -hmm. cheer on the, you know, and just crack everybody up. And so we just had a really fun time and did a lot of writing and, uh, you know, we'd, we'd go out, um, uh, you know, on the weekends to different churches around, you know, the, the area mm-hmm. and perform. And, you know, we'd like to say that we roamed the uh, Minnesota countryside, scaring the Baptists <laughs> with, our, <laughs> with our puppets. <laughs> and so, but uh, we, we just had, you know, and, and we both, you know, Muppets, you know, uh, Jim, Hen- Jim Henson, Monty Python, um, you know, Mel Brooks, you know, all of those kind yeah. of things. And, and for me too, you know, I was a huge in high school, love the Dr. Demento radio hour. Yeah. And so I love parody music. So that was another big thing. For yeah, me. I'll have to say you and I have talked about this briefly, but um, I think that what you just said and your influences, and maybe we could talk about this a little more, was um, pretty wide. I mean, you and in comedy. So when you talk about you know Monty Python or Doctor Demento or some of these others, um, that really comes through in Veggie Tales loud and clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if you if you look at it through that lens, yeah. And yeah. I think it's what made Veggie Tales so successful. Quite honestly, is you were um, kind of ahead of your time in a sense of you made this uh, this animated video and these characters and this the writing and the storylines and what was spoken and the voices. And it, it, you, you always had this undercurrent that, uh, that appealed to adults as well. Yeah. yeah and yeah, that's yeah. what I think comes through in a lot of those influences. It's like kids loved it, but adults loved it too. And that's yeah. what I think made it so successful. Oh yeah. Well, thank you. You know, it's, it was really, what was so cool about those early years in particular is Phil's, Phil's mom, actually Scotty, Scotty mm-hmm. May, uh, has her doctorate in, in, in Christian kids education, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, you know, one of the things that that we uh, tried to do early on was just really make sure we were very clear in our messaging for a four year old. You know, mm-hmm. if we're going to teach a lesson, uh, how does this come through crystal clear to to a four year old, and and you know, to they can come away from the show and remember that you know. I, 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 a thankful heart is a happy heart or, you know, God is bigger mm-hmm. than the boogeyman or all these little, the, these, these core messages. But then once that was settled, we just love to have fun with the show and make ourselves laugh, you know? And I look back at, you know, <laughs> Bugs Bunny and, you know, kind of all that, you know, watching Bugs Bunny now as an adult, you're, you're there's like half of the jokes, you know, I, it's like, I, I don't think I got that joke. Well, one in particular kid. that I'm yeah. thinking of is when the peas are on top of the wall in the story of Jericho oh, speaking yeah, yeah, French, yeah. you're going, that's <laughs> straight out of the Holy my, my Python, the Holy oh, Grail. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Exactly, exactly. So we did a lot. Of, and then in really silly songs with Larry uh, was sort of a, a ver- our version of and now for something completely different. You yes, know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's exactly I think you even say that. Isn't it? Don't you even use that? And now it's time for silly songs with Larry. And, or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Almost like and in a British accent. Yeah. Now it's something time for something completely different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So in my brain, I had already switched it. <laughs> you had already switched it, yeah. So, oh yeah, it was, it was a total, total influence. And so, uh, yeah, so Phil and I um, just had uh, a great time. So we got to be really good friends and we found out that we both kind of had similar aims in terms of, you know, not being at a Bible college very long. So mm-hmm. we were both, he wanted to go to film school and then I wanted to go on to, to med school. And so... Um, you know, both of us only wanted to be there for about a year or two years. And, um, you know, we had a chapel requirement at that school as well. And if you missed a certain number of chapels every mm-hmm. semester, you know, you mm-hmm. were invited to, you know, go home for a semester and think about your sins. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so knowing that we weren't, knowing that we, we weren't going to, uh, come back after, mm-hmm. our, after the mid semester of our sophomore year, 
we neither one of us bothered to go to chapel and we were you know technically kicked out of bible school <laughs> and so a couple of bible school renegades and you guys fun, you guys were radical we were radical and the funny thing is that that um a number of years later, uh, the school invited us back for an award mm-hmm. uh, and to give it, and they they awarded it in chapel. And so, uh, um, <laughs> as we walked up to chapel, I received the word in my Larry voice. I said, "So this is what chapel looks like." <laughs> and everybody was cracking up. <laughs> so they forgave us. Um, so, but yeah, so so that was so so what what had happened was. Um, so we had both planned to leave the school and I, you know, and, and, you know, he wanted to go to film school. So it's like, well, Southern California, that's the, that's where you learn how to make films. And so, so, uh, so I applied at a couple of schools out in the LA area and got in. He, he, he went out back out to Chicago where he was from. I went back to Denver, um, for a semester. Um, and, uh, you know, we were going to then that next year go out to LA and be roommates and, you know, pursue our things. Um, we just got to be really good friends. And so, um, but going back to, to, to Colorado for me was really difficult because now my parents were going through a really hard time. They were basically going, they were going through a divorce. They were on mm. the verge of divorce. And so, so were they still in Northern Virginia at the time? Or no, no, this was they, Colorado. So yeah. So yeah, Colorado, Virginia, then back to Colorado. Okay, so, so they're, in, they're, back they're, in Colorado. they're back in Colorado. And so, so I am, um, uh, you know, they moved into a new house, a, a, a nice new house and it was causing financial, you know, uh, worries as well. Cause mm-hmm. now we, they had, you know, a, a kid in college and another kid about ready to go to college. And so there was a lot of financial pressure there as well. And they moved into a bigger house and this was in the mid eighties when you know, I, I, I remember, uh, I still remember as, you know, as a, as an 18 year old thinking, man, that's, that's kind of ridiculous, but I think mortgage rates at that time were like 20%. Yes. And so it was yes. not, not the best time to, to move into a new house. Right. And so, um, so there was a lot of, a lot of pressure there and, uh, they just, you know, I, I ended up, um, you know, sleeping on the couch downstairs cause it was, you know, I didn't have a bedroom at this point. And, uh, and my, my dad was, you know, they, they just weren't talking to each other and it was just a really tense home environment. And I'm like, Oh, I just can't, I, I, I you know, Oh, I'm sorry. You're going to say something. You're going to ask something. No, I was just going to say, what was that? like for you i mean because you go away thinking everything's great you go to bible college where you're like immersed in you know your faith in god and then all of a sudden you come back home and things are different yeah what was that like for you um you know it was it was it was tough and especially for me just i i felt like i was maybe on on the front end of of beginning to understand, you know, dealing with conflict and emotions, which mm. is something that I had not really ever done before. I, I'm sort of naturally a, a happy person, mm-hmm. you know, so I, uh, always sort of, you know, find the, the optimistic view of things and don't really, you know, need to, or I don't really, I, I just didn't really f- feel the need growing up to have to, to, to deal with, you know, issues, you know, and Mm. I had a fairly, you know, I felt very loved when I was a kid and there was a lot of, a lot of conflict in our home, but just seeing this now was, it was a new thing for me. And I, you know, I don't even know if I knew, you know, what was going on or how to handle it. For me, I just felt the need to, to escape. You know, I felt like Mm. I can't. So you just wanted to run away from it. I just wanted to, I just wanted to get away from it. Yeah. And so, um, and so, you know, and, and, you know, I was only going to be there for, you know, six months. So I thought, okay, well, I can handle this. Well, then Phil, um, 
you know, uh, meanwhile in Chicago, he had done an internship at a video post-production house and, um, during the summer and then they offered him a job, uh, at at the end of that summer. So at this point, back up, you weren't thinking about going into medicine anymore. No, I was. Yeah. So I was, so I had taken a break. So I went to, uh, went to the Bible college for a year and a half, got some basic classes out of the way. And now I was going to transfer to do pre-med. Uh, okay. At a, Cause they didn't have, but you had said that you guys were going to go move to LA together and do something. Right. So I was going to do pre-med in LA. He uh, was going to do it. film. So, yeah. So we and were just really, we, we were just really good friends and wanted yeah, to kind of, yeah. so you know, just kind of keep your thing going on the side while you guys are in college. Yeah. And not even, you know, cause we weren't, I mean, for, for us, the performing thing, you know, for me, that was just a lot of fun. It was a, a great hobby. You know, Phil wanted to go into filmmaking, but it's like, we weren't even going to do puppeting in LA. He right. was just going to do filmmaking. I was going to do pre-med. Like there's no career in that. Yeah. As, yeah. As yeah. For me. Knew. Yeah. As yeah. far as I knew. Yeah. So, um, and so, uh, so, uh, he, so we he, he was in Chicago, you know, after that, for that, that semester I was in Denver and then he got this job offer. And then all of a sudden he's like, you know, he told me to say, Mike, I'm, you know, I'm not going to go out to LA, you know? So it's like, this is what I want to do. I don't know if I need to go to college to, to do mm. this. Cause I have this opportunity here right now. And so, um, and so I was, I, I just felt kind of, you know, stuck because I, I, I just needed to get out of, of the house. And so, um, were there high expectations from your dad or your family to go and go from here into medical school or were they supportive of whatever you wanted to do? You know, I felt, I felt they were supportive. Um, the problem was that we were, we were so, uh, my parents, the family was in such a shambles at this mm-hmm. point that, you know, my, my parents had paid for my first year and a half of college, but now. It, you know, there was there was no money left for for because college. they had bought a big house and right and going through the divorce, divorce and, and yeah. so there was no you know so I felt like so internally I felt very driven like okay yeah I need to I need to pursue this I need to pursue my education and, and do what I feel God's calling me to do uh, but I just financially I had no I had no idea how that was going to happen so I mm. just felt like I, I need to go figure that out and so um, so I knew if I went to uh, moved away, got independence, you know, from financially from my parents and then got in-state tuition at whatever state that I was going in, that I could probably pull that off. Um, mm. Unlike today, which is, you know, it's like, I don't know how, <laughs> yeah. how kids go to college today without the, the family support. It's crazy uh, expensive. Um, so uh, I went, uh, so I went out uh, or I just thought, well, there's just as many places in, you know, the Chicago area sure. to do pre-med and med school as there are in Southern California. And so I said, Hey, you know, Phil, Phil was like, yeah, come on out here. You know, it'd be great. So I went out there and, um, moved in with, with his, him and his parents for, um, a few months, uh, and just started working odd jobs to get residency in Illinois and, uh, ended up, um, you know, worked at a state trooper magazine. I drove around <laughs> collecting, you know, uh, <laughs> collecting, uh, donations for the Illinois state troopers. It was to- a total racket too. The funny thing was, and it took me a while to catch on to this, but so people would donate money to Illinois state troopers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would go to their house and I would deliver a little, a little sticker, say, I support the troopers, which mm-hmm. they would put on their back windshield, which basically was, you know, uh, an insurance uh, policy that they wouldn't get a ticket. <laughs> so, wow. Classic Chicago. <laughs> oh, it totally was. It totally was. Um, and all the guys working there on the phones were like ex-cons uh, and everything. And so, so you don't want to donate. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No sticker so, for you. No sticker for you. And this was, this was the day before, you know, you know, any sort of, you know, uh, GPS, you know, in yeah. car stuff. So I, I had my big map book around 
Chicago and I had my little red Ford Fiesta. When I moved to Chicago, I drove uh, a little uh, fire engine red uh, mm-hmm. Ford uh, Fiesta. That was my first car, which actually was the same car in the cheeseburger song, if you watch the video. Yeah. So that was my ode to my Ford Fiesta. So, um, so I drove out. So I drove all around Chicago area, really learning the lay of the land, you know, working for this magazine and figuring mm-hmm. out like where everything was. And, uh, and then a job opened up um, at the at the video house that Phil was working at as a videotape duplicator, um, and so uh, for the graveyard shift. And so it's like, okay, well, and I and I had been involved in my brother's band. I was the sound guy for my brother's band, and I had toured with the Continental Singers um, right. as a sound technician. Yeah. You know, so I had some I had this technical ability. And I loved you know sound and production. So I thought so I had just enough of that type of knowledge to to land that job. And so I started doing that, um, and then just figuring out you know you know, kind of the world of production. I had opportunities to learn how to edit, to learn how to do sound. Uh, you know, I was at this place with Phil and, and eventually we just started to say, Hey, well, wait a minute. Um, you know, we can do fun little projects on the weekend. We can make these little short films because we have access to all this equipment. So we would take this equipment home and we would do, you know, we'd shoot live action stuff and then we would green screen, you know, we'd do green screen stuff. We'd start mm-hmm. to play with uh, compositing, which was just sort of kind of making an entrance in, mm-hmm. in the world. And computer animation, which, uh, you know, was just starting to emerge. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, John Lasseter um, was just starting, you know, his experimental group at Pixar to do some yeah. of those really early uh, films like uh, uh, Luxor Jr. and, and um, you know, Red Stream. And, or I think that's what it was called. But there was these little short films that, that, uh, that Lasseter was doing, which was just amazing. It's like because, you know, we were using computer animation at this post house, um, you know, to fly logos around, you know, and, you know, make, you know, just, just, was it like sparkly. old Avid systems or what were you? Well, so the, the company that we worked for Renaissance video bought the very first Bosch FGS 4,000. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bosch yeah. You know F- what that, yeah. yeah, yeah. 4,000. The 4,000. I preferred the 403. <laughs> the 403. <laughs> well, so if you remember the dire straits money for nothing yeah. video, yeah, yeah. that was done on a Bosch, okay. you know? And so, but it was still very blocky, you know, these robotic, you know, yeah. things that went around. And so it was really great for, for flying static logos around, but really not all that wonderful for character animation. Well, along comes Lassiter and he's making these squishy little characters, you know, that have personality. And it's like, wow, this is amazing. Um, you know, and so Phil really started to dive into kind of the, the art and the technology of uh, computer animation. And, uh, for those of you who don't know, Laster was the founder of uh, one of the founders of Pixar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, and and actually, VeggieTales, you know, our very first show came out about a year, year and a half before Toy mm-hmm. Story, which was the very first uh, computer animated film. But these small experimental films were being made uh, right around that time. And so, um, let's see, I lost my place. Where was I? So, uh, so you're there. He's at duplicating, and then you're playing with these. Oh yeah, the yeah. So, so yeah, so he's playing playing with this. Uh, you know this new tech technology and um we just started to say hey you know we've now collected enough knowledge in in editing um you know uh non-linear editing was sort of coming to the forefront now computer-based editing you know before that time we were learning to edit on you know tape-based systems you know through through switchers um and so so all these technical parts were kind of starting to come together and we were like well wait a minute could we do kind of what we did with puppets with computer animation Mm. uh and so and that's kind of was the genesis of the idea of of veggie tales initially phil actually um 
uh, modeled a candy bar, you know, because we just needed we needed characters that were limbless and clothesless and hairless because mm. <laughs> all of those things on computers were really expensive. And so Phil modeled a candy bar. And by this time, Phil was married. He got married uh, fairly young. Um in his early twenties and his wife, Lisa, uh, who's the voice of junior asparagus. <laughs> so, uh, uh, this was before VeggieTales obviously, but you know, they were, they were married and you know, she walked by and she said, I don't know if moms are going to like, you know, candy bar characters for their kids. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, so Phil thought, well, vegetables will we'll work go to the other extreme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, uh, so then he modeled a, a Larry, the cucumber that sort of popped out of the jar and smiled. And, and so it was really cool. It's like, wow, these characters are, can come to life. And so, um, so in the meantime, you know, I'm in college, you know, so I'm just mm. doing, I'm, I'm, I was, I was a bio, uh, I double majored in biology and history and, uh, I was a bio, bio at first, but then I was start, starting to take these history electives and thinking, wow, I just really love history. I love that. And I started to do a lot of writing and, mm. and just really enjoyed that way of thinking. It was a very different way. Uh, you know, his, you know, if you're tr uh, history, it's just a different way of thinking than, right. than a scientific training. Were you taking some philosophy too, or is it just mm -hmm. mainly? Okay. Yeah, I was taking some philosophy classes as well. And so, um, you know, I just, I just loved that way of thinking and it felt more at home for me than, mm. than sort of, you know, and I felt like always sort of like a split because, you know, my, my mom was a little more on the artistic side. My dad was a little bit more on the, you know, the, uh, the analytical side. Uh, and I felt like I always had a little bit of both, but I really felt at home, you you know, my passion was, you know, and I, you know, going back to ch church days, my passion was like, I, how I felt when I was up performing or writing, mm -hmm. you know, I just, I, I just, you know, I felt so you're in, there. so you're in Chicago now, mm -hmm. back in Colorado, things are like not doing well. Yeah. Uh, now, do you still have siblings that were living at home at the time? Yeah, I did. So my brother, Steve, uh, was just a year, two years behind me in grade. So by that time he had gone up to that same college. Uh, and then my brother, Mark, uh, who was four years in back of me was still living at home. So, and it was a, you know, a, you know, he, he kind of got the, got the worst the of it just in terms of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So were you affected or while you were in Chicago learning and growing and all this, were you still connected or was this a, a way for you to be away from it? Yeah. You know, it was a way for me to be away from it. And I don't remember because, you know, I felt like, uh, you know, emotionally, you know, now it's, it's great. My brothers and I get together once a year, you mm. know, for a, a weekend of, of golf and we're all very close and, you know, um, but you know, uh, I, I felt like I, my relationship with my family wasn't super close to where I had to be talking that we talked mm -hmm. all the time. So, you know, for me, it's like, okay, I was, I was away from that. I was, I was making my way. Um, you know, the, the, the things were sort of exploding with my parents. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I felt for my younger brother. Um, but I just, you know, I didn't know what I could do. And in fact, although, you know, what ended up happening was eventually he moved you know, he moved out. He went, he went to that same college, Crown mm. College. And then, and then he came down to Chicago. He actually roomed with me for a couple of years down there in Chicago, mm. uh, you know, when I was, when I had an apartment there. So, um, but yeah, so from a family perspective, um, you know, we were just kind of all going on. We, my brothers and I never really talked about what was happening mm. in our family. I, I, I just don't think we, we learned that skill growing yeah. up. We didn't learn, yeah. you know, 
how to deal with with conflict mm. um, and uh, and that and and it really wasn't something I, I learned how to deal with until I met my Colombian wife <laughs> which you know then it was impossible not yeah to, I, I was to gonna to I was gonna conflict. go there but you did it for me <laughs> do yeah, we want to yeah. jump ahead to your yeah. Lisa now or do we, there's a little bit more story in between um, well so yeah there's a teeny bit more story so yeah so we we uh, basically you know so I finished uh, I finished my undergraduate. I was working in a, a different post house at this time. And, um, uh, but I, I was still on track to go. I still wanted to go into medicine. So I applied to the Peace Corps. And so I thought, well, mm. what I'll do is I'll go overseas. Uh, and I was accepted to go to West Africa and teach biology because I was a bio mm. major. And so I was accepted and I was on track to, uh, go to language school, um, you know, to learn French and then, you know, head over to, uh, to West Africa. And, um, uh, Phil had been, we, we had, we had done a sampling. We had done a, uh, a, a short promo piece for VeggieTales by this point. We had, you know, created, you know, Bob and Larry and we had voiced them. We'd done this little thing called Take 38 where Bob and Larry were announcing, you know, what a wonderful show VeggieTales would be. And so, uh, you know, Phil was out trying to pitch the show to raise mm -hmm. money for it. And, um, and uh, it, it, we actually, you know, the, the same month I got my acceptance letter from, uh, from Peace Corps, uh, we found out that we were funded to be able to do our first show. And so I just had to, that, that was the big moment of decision, decision for me. Yeah, because, you know, I, you know, I was, I was definitely he headed one way and, you know, very, very clear path. And uh, I just, I remember that time and thinking, you know, what do I do? And I prayed about it. I asked the people around me who knew me best, you know, what I th they thought I should do. And um, I just felt like, okay, well, you know, I, I, this is maybe something, you know, that I didn't see for myself, that I hadn't planned for myself. But, you know, maybe, um, maybe this is what God is put in my heart to do and, and calling me to do. So I, you know, I turned down the Peace Corps offer and, uh, you know, we went to work on where God and I'm scared. And I, I still, you know, I was still working at a post house at this time. So I was working, you know, um, I was working, you know, during the day there and then I would come over and, and help out on the show at night. And Phil had hired a couple of guys out of uh, kids just out of art school to, to do the animation. I wasn't animating. I was doing editing and compositing and sound. Mm. Um, and so, uh, uh, yeah, so we started on this and that's right around the time when I met my wife, our soon to be wife, Lisa. So her and I met, uh, in the summer of, uh, summer of 94 on a, a camping trip, um, uh, in Wisconsin on a whitewater rafting trip in, in Wisconsin <laughs> through, through our church. And, uh, yeah, so we just, you know, we, we met there, um, you know, and, and started talking at a, you know, later after the trip and then during different, uh, we had to get together the week after that. And she started talking to me about salsa dancing and I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> and, and so she, she had grown up in, um, in, in Bogota mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, was born in New York, but had grown or New Jersey, uh, grew up, most of her life in Bogota, uh, finished her, her, uh, undergraduate there and then was doing graduate work, you know, in Chicago when we met. Mm. And, um, uh, yeah, so we just, you know, started going out and, and I loved, I just ended up really falling in love with the Hispanic culture and, mm. you know, salsa dancing and she, <laughs> you know, I'm about six, five, you know, and so <laughs> teaching a big old six, five gringo <laughs> how to salsa dance and she's just a, a great dancer. And so, um, 
yeah, so we, you know, we, we would, you know, we, we would go salsa dancing every Tuesday night and, you know, eventually, um, you know, and I thought she was on her way back to, uh, after grad school, she had told me that she's going to move back to Columbia. Mm. And so I, I kind of like, um, held back a little bit from the relationship. Thinking, sure. Okay. I don't get my heart broken if, you know, you right. leave, but she actually, they had a, um, uh, she had a, a somebody living with her and her sister. She was living. Lisa was living with her older sister Kathy, and they had a, a guest living with him for uh, living with him for a number of months. Esther, she was from Spain, and uh, Esther put two and two together. She saw that that Lisa liked me, and I liked Lisa, and then she, you know, just sort of match made us. She's <laughs> like, oh, this is ridiculous. You, you two need to, yeah. you need to be together. So, so we were match made by Esther, and um, <laughs> and so uh, yeah. So then we and that's uh, where all the, a lot of the Latin culture comes through and in veggies. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. I, I wrote, um, the song of the Cebu on mm-hmm. a, on a trip to, uh, um, on a trip to Colombia that I took with Lisa. <laughs> um, the dance of the cucumber <laughs> was inspired by, you know, uh, she had a, uh, she had a, a tape in her car. It was a song called Los Americanos. And, um, it was basically a, a song about, you know, all the, <clears throat> all the uh, idiosyncrasies of Americans, you know? And so, uh, in, in a way, sort of making fun in a, in a lighthearted way about Americans and, and that dynamic. So, so the song was on on the radio and she was translating it into English for me mm-hmm. and basically making fun of me as she was translating mm-hmm. and, uh, the words of the song. And I just love that dynamic. And so then that became, that sort of became the That's idea great. behind dance of the cucumber. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And so that, that influence for me was, was, was great because I had this whole new culture, you know, to, that I was immersed into, uh, you know, for, for artistic inspiration, yeah, which that's was wonderful. Great. So uh, that's wonderful. So, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. So obviously the, the first episode was a success. How did that play out? Well, you know, um, or maybe not. Well, so, so basically our, our, our idea for getting nobody, from a distribution standpoint, um, when we told people that we had an idea for a show that featured singing, talking vegetables, telling Bible stories, we didn't have a lot of takers <laughs> for saying, oh, yeah, that sounds great. We'll, we'll, we'll distribute that. Um, so what we did was um, took out ads in Christian parenting magazines. Mm. So uh, uh, for the first show and then we had, you know, fill in the first uh, show was called which one? Was Where's it? God when I'm scared. Where's God when I'm scared. Yeah. So it was basically, you know, uh, uh, Tales from the CRISPR, which was Junior Asparagus watching a Frankenstein, you know, TV show and getting <laughs> scared. And then Bob and Larry show up in his bedroom and sing God is bigger than the boogeyman. And then, and there was a silly song, the water buffalo song. Yep. And then, um, and then the second segment was the story of Daniel in the lion's den. So that was mm-hmm. our first, our very first show. Uh, and so, but we, so Phil had raised enough money to, to, you know, buy the equipment for the first show. And then we were both putting in our own money, you know, to mm-hmm. kind of keep the, you know, I was, I was working at the post house still at this time. And so I had money to put into the company to keep it going. And, uh, but we didn't have any distribution, so we kind of self distributed. So, um, so we got a phone and a credit card machine and put out the ads. And so, so um, you know, as the animators were there in the office, you know, the the they'd get a phone call. You know, they stop their animation, they take down the take down the credit card number, and you know, we got about five hundred orders for that very first episode so cool. for that very first VHS. And one of those orders actually came from uh, an exec. Uh, we're you know friends to this day. Wayne Zeitner uh, was um, was. Uh, uh, heading up a new 
uh, label for Everland Entertainment, which mm. was a division of Word, a kids mm-hmm. kids label of Word, and and he saw the one of the ads and was intrigued and ordered a copy and then loved the show. And mm. uh, so then you know the next thing we knew, um, you know, we were having conversations with Wayne, and Wayne flew Phil down to Nashville, and uh, and then basically then you know did a deal uh, to you know to to distribute uh, Veggie Tales through Christian bookstores. Um, but it was so, so we, you know, five, it, we spent about 60,000 on that very first show, got about 500 orders, which, you know, $15 a piece. If you do the mm-hmm. math, it doesn't really come close <laughs> to covering the production cost. But, you know, now with a, a distribution deal, we would get advances on royalties mm-hmm. uh, to be able to do production. And even then it was very light, you know, it was very modest budgets. And still we were, you know, I, I, you know, I still, you know, we still had to do outside work. You know, it was, it, you know, we weren't making enough money to still pay ourselves, pay everybody, you know, on the, on the advances and make the show. So it was just really rough going for those, for those first few years. And so, uh, you know, it wasn't until, uh, so that was 93. It probably wasn't until about 95 or 96 that mm. it really started to take off because, you know, these, when word started to distribute it, it would go into these, um, uh, you know, do Christian bookstores. And a lot of the clerks at Christian bookstores were young, you know, college age kids sure. and, you know, they loved the humor. And so there's like, you know, so when they ran a video in a loop in the kids section, it's like they preferred to put on the VeggieTales videos, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, so do you think that was, uh, a lot of the undercurrent of the success of it was that, the, like I said earlier, was this dual thing where college and parents and, and kind of got the humor? I think so. Yeah, I really think so. Because, you know, um, you know, it just, it, it just kind of became a word of mouth thing. It's like, Hey, have you seen this thing? It's really cool. Check it out. And, and I hear all uh, tons of stories now about people when they first hear about VeggieTales thinking how stupid that sounds. It's like, Oh, that's ridiculous. But then they watch it and they thought, Oh wow, that's really cool. So I think there was an element there. There was, it was just weird enough to make it, you know, intriguing and cool. Uh, but you kind of had to see it kind of, you know, Mm. you had to be there. (laughs) Yeah. And so, um, it's kind of like a, uh, uh, a talking sponge that lives under the sea. And has <laughs> right, right, right. A friend that's a squirrel and a, and a starfish. And a starfish, exactly, exactly. So it's just the you know it's 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 not uh, what you say, it's how you say it. <laughs> so, um, uh, so yeah. So it, it was just this word of mouth that started to kind of grow, and you just really you know people liked the show. They told their friends, uh, you know, clerks, you know, uh, told their customers, and you know it started to build and. Um, and it got pretty, you know, pretty popular in the Christian bookstore arena. And then the the general market folks started uh, calling, saying, "Hey, you know, what what is this that you've got?" Because VHS, you know, home home video at this point was becoming a big business, and so um, so they thought that it would might be a property. And this was all your headquarters was all still in Chicago at the time. It was all in Chicago, and so we were building a a studio in Chicago, and. Um, you know, th- we were among the the handful of studios in the world that did computer animation. It mm. was still very, very young. Um, you know, Toy Story had come out. Um, you know, so obviously Pixar was building their their animation studio. Disney still wouldn't touch uh, computer, you know, computer animation. animation. DreamWorks was still a little bit of ways away from doing it. Now, Disney had had Tron. Right. Yeah. Which was more, you know, not necessarily, there was elements right. of that in there, but it wasn't, but it wasn't the full, yeah. Full character computer right. animation. Right. right. It was yeah. more integrated. Yeah. You know, people still, you know, cause Lasseter was actually, John Lasseter was fired from Disney. Mm-hmm. He was a character animator who was fired from Disney. And, um, 
you know, nobody thought computer animation would work. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, it completely uh, revolutionized the industry. So, so fast forward, uh, you, uh, you and Lisa got married. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, you're living in Chicago. Yeah. Things are going great. Uh-huh. Um, at what point did you, in, in, in the Veggie Tales, uh, you guys, uh, how, how big did it grow? Yeah. So we, we got from a employee standpoint, we got up to about 230 employees. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a good, good size company. It was, yeah, it got to be a good size company. We were, we were generating a lot of revenue through our DVD series or through our VHS series is still on VHS at this time. And, um, now at that time, were you living the, um, were you like working all the time? Was this consuming you or were you, did you learn from your growing up how to balance that? Yeah, no. So, uh, it, it was very, uh, I was really enveloped in, in the work, you know, and okay. starting a company. So, um, and, and so that's, that's kind of when I started to learn about dealing with conflict because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and, 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 and Lisa was great with all that. I mean, she was very supportive of everything, mm-hmm. but also, you know, just very uh, straightforward, just saying, you know, this is what I'll deal with and this is what I won't deal with. And so mm-hmm. for me, um, it was really, it was really important to, to do that. And then being able to be, be in a relationship knowing that, wait a minute, I can, I can have a fight and that can make the that can make the relationship better. Mm. You know, it's, it, it can make us closer mm. rather than, you know, okay, well I can't, I can't have any conflict because then, you know, you won't like me anymore kind of right. thing. So, right. which is kind of, which was kind of how I grew up um, mm. thinking that that that's what relationships were like. Um, and so, uh, so it was tough. I mean, just, you know, starting a company of the time involved, especially with all the technical complications that we had. Um, there was a lot of, there was a lot of, um, uh, just, you know, there were, there were times when I would, I would be at work for, you know, 36, 40 hours Mm. and it was, it was just rough. Um, you know, thankfully, you know, we, 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 at the very beginning, we didn't have kids yet. Mm -hmm. Um, and so as, as we started to have kids, um, you know, the work started to become a little bit more manageable because, Mm -hmm. you know, but it was always, I was always, on, you know, even, even in the early years when, in, in, you know, for, for many years when we went, we went on vacation, you know, in quotes, you know, I was always, I was, you know, having to think about writing something, yeah. think about a project. And so it was, was there, uh, and at any time in the career and we don't, we won't get into all the details of, um, you know, the companies and, and how it grew and how it shrank and how it got sold. We can touch on that in a second, but mm-hmm. for the sake of time, what, what during those years in the period over the, you know, the first 15 years of the iteration of the companies, was there, um, anxieties or fears or what, what was your uh, inner life like, like growing a company that was growing as, as quick as it was and you were doing something that was impacting families, but what was going on inside of you? that during those during those time were you just loving it and you were on cloud nine the whole time yeah you know it was so that's such a great question i wish i could go back and make myself think that (laughs) at the time we were so busy you know um it it was almost like okay well now we have to make the the next show and i remember i I remember how excited i felt when we when we made the first show it's like wow we just did a half an hour of computer animation you know it felt like such an accomplishment and i I, we at that time we didn't know if we were going to be able to do another one Mm -hmm. but then we did we got that um and then you know i i quit my job at my the post house and i I came on full time at Big mm. Idea, and then we just worked and worked and worked, um, and it was kind of one of those just those slow things where you just okay, well now I'm making we're making you know payroll that's great, and now okay now we got this new assignment, and so it just felt like 
you know, the day to day, I was so concentrated on the day to day, the project to project, um, that I, I felt like, okay, well, you know, Obviously, from a content perspective, I feel like this is definitely a ministry. I mean, we're teaching biblical values to kids. This is great. So, I, from a from a, a missional standpoint, I felt like okay, I feel like God is I'm, I'm you know doing what God's called me to do. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess you know well, your personality. Yeah. As long as I've known you, mm-hmm. you you've always been very positive and um, up. So uh, I know there's more going on underneath, but it seems like for you, because you weren't involved or or were you? Because were you always on the creative side, not on the business side? Right. I was always on the, okay. on the creative side. And so for me, you know, I was in, in the stories all the time. So I was always, you know, concentrating on, on making, you know, films, which is a dream for, for any, you know, filmmaker. You know, right. that's, that's kind of what they want to do is do that. So, you know, I wasn't really – Phil Phil spent, you know, kind of split his time between the business side and, and the creative right. side. And so so a lot of the struggles that, that were happening on the business end, um, you know, I didn't – I didn't catch a lot of, I didn't catch near as much as Phil did on that. Mm. So, um, uh, but so those, but was, there were though there were rough times and and oh and, yeah and yeah, yeah. tales and big ideas oh yeah years. yeah so so initially you know because for me um, you know I was single when I started and Lisa and I were a young couple so so financially it, it felt like it was it was it was hard it was a struggle but there wasn't a, a ton on the line mm-hmm. you know for right. me um, just you know Lisa had a job she was a teacher you know she she was a teacher and you know I was I was working at Big Idea or you know at this post house and so and you know we lived very frugally. Uh, so Phil was a different, you know, Phil, Phil was married, he had a child. And so there was more on the line for him, you know, mm-hmm. financially in those early years. Um, so those financial pressures didn't play. So, so for me, it was, a, it was about the work. It was about maintaining, mm. um, the delivering the creative, delivering the creative, mm. um, balance, trying to find a balance between that and, and, and home life, you know, not mm. to be at work too much. And, um, you know, so it, you know, so it, they were just, they were very good years. You know, yeah. I, I have a lot of, you just, you know, just fond memories and, and it was a great place to work in a place where a lot of people wanted to work mm. because, you know, uh, we, we ended up, uh, hiring a lot of folks, really talented people from a lot of great companies, you know, Disney, DreamWorks, mm. you know, a lot of powerhouses in the industry because they were believers who believed in the mission of Big Idea. And they came in with this this really desire and heart to contribute to that. And so it was a very yeah. dynamic, fun place to work. Was uh, one of the things I want to touch on briefly uh, is the the mission. Talk about that briefly. <clears throat> The mission of, of Veggie Tales was never in your face evangelistic. It seemed right. to be always a more um, here are biblical values, right. kindness and love and compassion and right. you know what do you do with your emotions and right. um, in a lot of ways it was um, kind of what Mister Rogers was doing yeah. you know yeah, yeah, years yeah. prior right right like he was living out his faith in a way that was. Um, uh, real, I guess human would be a way to say it and less churchy. Um, yeah. talk to me about that. What, what was your philosophy and not, not even philosophy, but what drove you in that, in the messaging? Yeah. So Bob and Larry, you know, their, their, their signature sign off was, it was at the heart of everything that we did. God made you special and he loves you very much. And we just felt like if we could communicate that idea, um, overall in our stories to kids to, 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 to realize there's a God, who, who, who made them, who made them unique, who, who love, who loves them and who wants a relationship with him. Uh, that was, 
really what we wanted to do with the show. And, and with every episode, we, we focused on a core value, thankfulness, forgiveness, loving your neighbor, um, you know, those sort of ideas that are, um, you know, important to, you know, most, most kids, but at the heart of it was that, that, you know, the, the, the biblical authority to say, mm. you, you know, it's, you know, why, why love your neighbor, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, God first love us, you know, right. those, those types of messages. Um, but really, you know, not specifically uh, evangelistic to where, you know, we wanted to have a show and then have a salvation message right. at the end. We just thought, you know, we want to create a show that will help parents, give them a tool to pass on biblical values to their kids. Mm. And God's going to, God's word's going to come into their life. Uh, they're going to, they're going to remember these stories. They're going to remember these characters and, you know, and, and hopefully God will use that later in their life, uh, you know, to, to make a decision for him. So after 70 million uh, copies sold and, and being on Netflix and, or wherever else it was, um, I, I'm assuming you, you, you reached a, a wide range of different types of people. Um, did that surprise you? Is there something that sticks out? Because I know there's got to be not just quote Christian Protestant families who bought these. Yeah, yeah. Like, like tell, talk to me briefly about through the years. What did you, who did you hear from, and what? Oh yeah, from a number of you know uh, folks, you know, just uh, you know, non-believers who you know didn't you know were, were adverse actually of going to church, but just mm. really enjoyed the characters, really enjoyed their kids watching Veggie Tales because mm. they were just felt like they they really got a lot out of the the characters and the values of Veggie Tales too. Um, uh, you know, Jewish folks who mm-hmm. loved you know the, the Old Testament. In fact, one sure. of our uh, when we ended up. Um, uh, going into bankruptcy and, and selling one of the owners, uh, was, um, you know, a, a strong, uh, uh, practicing Jew and a big t- fan of veggie tales. And mm. so, um, which was really, uh, which was really interesting. Another, another kind of interesting thing was we, we found out like how many autistic kids really, really? enjoyed veggie tales. And, mm. and, um, you know, I think it was something with the, you know, the colors and the simple shapes, but really mm. veggies connected, um, really well with a lot of, a lot of autistic kids. And so we would get a lot of, uh, That's great. Uh, you know, letters from parents, um, feedback from parents just saying how meaningful that show was to, to their child. So that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, how many voices did you do? And I know you, not just Larry, the cucumber, but what, who else did you do? Um, uh, Jean-Claude P. So they wanted to do the peas. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, uh, Jerry Gord, uh, who, uh, he kind of just talks in, Spurts. So <laughs> Jimmy, it was funny, Jimmy and Jerry Gord. So Phil and I, when we were working at, we were working at a post-production house in Chicago and our boss, um, uh, his name was Jim. And, uh, it, when we did our voices, Jimmy and Jerry, it was both of us trying to impersonate our boss. <laughs> you know, so that, that was kind of where the, those voices came from, but that's Jimmy Gord. And I did Oscar, the Oscar, the Polish caterer, um, uh, for the 11 or the, 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 the 12 Polish dishes of Christmas, no, the eight Polish dishes of Christmas. Uh, we didn't have time to do all 12. Um, and, uh, uh, and then just like one of the scallions. So I probably did around a half dozen voices uh, for, for, and then whenever there's little bit parts, you know, we just, you know, yeah. throw in, you know, was it all you and Phil or did you have other people doing voices? Too? So, so I did about half dozen. Phil, Phil does probably a dozen voices and then his wife. Uh, so Phil was Bob uh, and he was also Paul Grape and Archibald Asparagus and uh, Philippe P and um, uh, boy, you know, a, a number of other ones. Uh, Lisa, his wife, uh, did the voice of, does the voice of Junior Asparagus. Oh, okay. Um, 
uh, Jim Poole, who was the artistic director at the church that we all went to when we started VeggieTales, he was Scooter the Carrot. Mm-hmm. Uh, another guy named Dan Anderson was Dad Asparagus. Um, so there, we uh, pulled in, you know, a number of folks to do different types of voices. But Phil and I did the, you know, the the majority of of, of the voices for VeggieTales, and it was it was mostly just driven by, you know, we we had done puppetry, had done a lot of voices, you know, kind of acted in a lot of different right. voices doing puppets. So we did that, and it was a lot cheaper for us to just do the voices yeah, than to yeah, hire yeah. hire out a lot of voices. So necessity was the mother of invention of a lot of those voices. And then, you know, obviously, you know, once you run out of all of your your uh, American accent characters, then you just start pulling from other accents to, you know, to characterize different things. So, so when, when somebody sits down and watches VeggieTales, uh, the, through the series, um, and they see these characters and they see these stories, um, what I gather from it and what I was emphasized from just this conversation today is a lot of these things come from real life experiences and the people and conversations you had with your wife and oh yeah 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 well even even the, the dynamic between Bob and Larry you know because mm-hmm. that Phil you know I remember when we were doing that very first promo um, we wanted to nail the the dynamic of our own friendship between Bob and Larry you know so there's a lot of Larry that that personality is me the extroverted version of me I'm more of an introvert mm-hmm. but uh, Larry is very much the more extroverted version of me and same with Phil Phil's even more introverted than I am and then you know <laughs> but then but he's very much Bob and so yeah. kind of how they related as characters was is how we relate as friends and so that really informed you know kind of you know how uh, that that that, dyna- that character dynamic of the of the show what's one thing uh as we wrap this up uh that you would want people to know about veggie tales that maybe they don't know or that they're surprised to know i mean what is it that that you would say um oh man you know i think of all of the the first the first thing i go to is all of the people that came along um you know, Kurt Heineke, you know, as our director of music, um, man, I could just, uh, I, you know, I've got a, a, a list of like, you know, 30 people in my head mm-hmm. right now that just, uh, that, that came in that were passionate about the show, passionate about the mission that really helped to, um, to create a great, great show, you know, that. So it wasn't just, just you and. Oh yeah, Phil. no, no, it wasn't. And, um, you know, I, you know, Phil, I think Phil, you know, was, he was such a great visionary in, in laying out, you know, what he wanted to do with the company and, and the mission. Um, and, uh, but it, a lot, a lot of people just, just really felt like, yeah, that was, that was really, you know, what they wanted to do with their careers and with their lives. And, um, you know, uh, we heard from so many people over the years, just like, this has been such an inspiration and it's what I want to do with my life. And, mm. you know, so it was, so at the time it was so wonderful to have that investment mm. of people coming in, but then that's also made it, what made it so difficult, you know, when things, you know, kind of, yeah. you know, kind of fell apart because there was just a lot of broken hearts. Mm. Um, uh, but you know, there's a lot of love and a lot of commitment and a lot of sincerity mm. that went into building all of those shows. And, um, I know that you're working on lots of other things right now. You've got a book series you're working on. You've mm-hmm. got lots of projects. Ever since I've known you, you've always got your hand in some creative. Do, do you find it uh, ever difficult to remove yourself from um, – that's, that's in acting, you talk about character typing. Do you yeah, ever yeah. find yourself being character typed or you don't <laughs> have that problem? Well, you know, it's so funny because uh, in, in animation um, – 
you know, I'm recognized most as the voice of Larry the Cucumber. So it's worked out good for you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, that's been great. But, you know, in terms of uh, of the day to day of what I spend my time doing, you know, even in working in VeggieTales, I spent much, much more time on the writing, the directing, the editing end than I did mm. on, on voiceovers. And so for me, it's like, it's, it's, it's great that, I, that I got to do the voice. And, and when people ask me, Hey, do the voice, I'm, I'm always happy to do that. It's great. <laughs> How many know? times a day do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> At least a couple times a week. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always just said, you know, this voice, this voice fed my children. So <laughs> I, I have no problem <laughs> doing that voice. So, but, um, but, but yeah, so I, but I, I always felt like, you know, I wanted to learn, you know, obviously to be a better actor and, and be able to voice that, but also just to be a better writer, be a better director. And so now as I'm moving on to other projects, you know, I'm using those same skills and, and other areas mm-hmm. to develop. And, you know, I've written my first uh, kids book series, which will be out in May that I'm really excited about. Um the Dead Sea Squirrels. <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, and I'll come on another time and tell you about that maybe, but, uh, yeah, we'll do a part two. <laughs> yeah. Part two. But, uh, but that's, that's a lot of fun. And, you know, I hope that becomes an animated, uh, series one day as well. Um, and, and, and I, and, and what, another really cool thing that I've got going on is I'm, you know, I'm finishing up grad school, my MFA, mm. and I've been doing a lot of teaching, um, and I'm, you know, I'm at Lipscomb university here in Nashville. And so, you know, I'll be going on full time, uh, as a, as a professor next, next professor, semester. Mike, professor, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's great in film and animation. And so, but, but what's been such a joy to me is, is seeing these kids who've grown up on veggie tales mm-hmm. now being excited about telling stories and impacting the world with, with, yeah. with, with, with stories. And so, um, yeah. And that'll be really the last cool. question that we'll end with. Um, cause I know we got to wind this down is, um, it, it, as you look over 25 years of your career of veggie tales of everything else, uh, what is, uh, and as you look at, uh, this next generation coming up and, you know, things as, from when you started to today, there was no internet, there was no social media, there was no streaming. Yeah. Um, how do you see the world changed and are you encouraged and excited about it? Uh, are you cautionary? Are you both? Because you're still producing and creating content for, for the same type uh, for, for kids. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. talk to me about that. Well, so, you know, the biggest thing obviously that's changed is, is the business model um, mm-hmm. for creating uh, shows, you know, home video, we, we caught the, we caught the, the, the front end of the rise of, of home video where people could say, okay, I don't, I don't have to have, I don't have to tune into a, a, a television show at a certain hour to watch what I want to watch. I can go out and buy a, a VHS tape or a right. DVD. Um, uh, and so, uh, you know, so, but now that that's completely changed and the business model for, for VeggieTales w- went away with, with streaming. Mm. And, and I think what people are willing to pay for a single piece of content has also really changed. And so, you know, that's got, you know, it's, it's kind of turned the industry upside down and thinking, okay, well, how, you know, w- w- economically, how do you produce right. now for, for that? But what remains though is, you know, people want stories that we're all hardwired to, mm. to want stories. And, and story is such a powerful way to convey message and to convey worldview. And so from a, from a, a ministry standpoint, um, you know, I think it's really important for, for, uh, believers to reflect what they believe in the stories that they tell to, mm. to reflect God's, God's, God's love and God's truth in, in story. And so, um, 
you know, so that's, that, that, you know, that's, that's what we've got to figure out. It's like, how do we continue to improve our, as Christians improve as storytellers? Because, you you know, movie making storytelling is, is a real craft and you gotta, you gotta learn, you know, kind of the structure and and how to do that and how to be effective, how how to be a, a, you know, how to be an effective storyteller is different than how to be an effective preacher. You know, mm. they're, they're two different things. So how do you, how do you bring that truth, that messaging into, you know, into, into a, a dramatic story structure that really emotionally impacts people and, and, um, you know, kind of, uh, helps them to see a, the world in a little bit different way. That's great. That's great. Well, Mike, thank you for, um, for being here and, um, thank you for telling those stories and I know you're continuing to do them well. And, uh, I know the best is yet to come. There's a lot more creativity from Mike Naraki. So as we sign off, uh-huh. okay, can you please sign off as Larry? Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Always remember, Bob, God made you special and he loves you very much. Goodbye. And that goes for the rest of you too. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Sure. Thank you.